The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. So one of Ireland's favourite American octogenarians is about to go on a tour of the country and Cal Thomas, for once it isn't you. (laughs) Very good, Matt. Well, this is one of those bipartisan things that I think everybody can agree on. The uh, Northern Ireland Peace Agreement, the Good Friday Agreement, was uh, uh, manufactured, was reached under Bill Clinton's administration, has enjoyed uh, praise from everybody. It's a very, very good thing. And despite this uh, unfortunate uh, apparent uh, terrorist planning by the real IRA, uh, which the police uncovered, uh, that uh, they said was going to uh, be conducted while President Biden was in Ireland, uh, I think uh, everybody continues to be very positive about this, certainly here in the United States, and I know in Ireland as well. Yeah, how much attention does a trip like this actually get in the United States, Carl? Well, you get some attention any time a president travels anywhere, and it is a feel-good thing. I mean, since John F. Kennedy uh, went over and uh, got massive positive coverage on his trip, uh, presidents, even those who claim Irish heritage and don't really have it, or it's been suspect, uh, enjoy going there. It's it's one of those feel-good things, and I think, uh, um, you know, nobody's complaining about it here, and it's getting some pretty good coverage. Yeah, there's a long history of it, Mary McCone, isn't there? Obviously, John F. Kennedy from 1963, 62-63, as was just mentioned by Cal there. Ronald Reagan, I remember coming. Bill Clinton seemed to be here as much as he was in the United States. <laughs> um, Barack Obama's visit. George Bush didn't come, I think, on an official visit, although he was down in Dromolan Castle once because of a G7 meeting. And of course That's then, right. Marion, when Donald Trump came, he didn't even get an invite up to Dublin. He was met by Leo Varadkar in Shannon Airport. So with the exception of Ronald Reagan, does that suggest we show a bias towards the uh, Democratic presidents? No, I don't think so necessarily. I don't, and I think it would be very foolish if Ireland did. I think when George W. Bush was president, it was an extremely difficult time because of the war in Iraq and the Irish opposition to it, generally speaking. Uh, I think when Ronald Reagan came, he got a pretty good reception and, and, you know, the, got the carpet rolled out and all that. Uh, George H. Uh, w. Bush, as I remember, had an Irish passport, so, so obviously we were we weren't too hostile uh, there. No, I, you know, I think that that these state visits they they have to be above politics, and I think obviously Donald Trump there there was a, a that was an exception as well. There was COVID, there was all kinds of things going on. Um, I suspect otherwise he would have received an invitation. He did receive one, I remember, from Leo Varadkar, uh, an informal one when when he visited in uh, 2020, shortly before the lockdown, but. I I think that there is Joe Biden's only the second Irish. Um, he's only the second Catholic president, actually, in America. Irish Catholic. Um, the, you know, John F. Kennedy was the one before him. Uh, Biden is, uh, as everyone knows, you know, whether you like his politics or not, he's a very genial guy. He really wears his Irish heritage on his sleeve. He never stops spouting poetry by Seamus Heaney and Yeats and everybody else. And he's got a huge affection for Ireland. And there is nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but he Marion, do you think does yeah. he? actually understand the reality of the modern Ireland or is he sort of caught in a sort of a 1950s Hollywood image of what we are which might be played to a little bit as well in the sort of the locations that he is brought to in Louth and Mayo Uh, You know I think he's going there because his ancestors are Oh no I know that but Yeah 
He has a pretty exhaustive trip. I'm just looking through the the um, the list that the White House sent out, and uh, you know he seems to be hitting all the bases. Like he, it's it's going to be pretty much a whirlwind trip, and um, culminating in I think the banquet dinner at Dublin Castle. Oh no, he's not. He's going to knock after that. Sorry, and you know a whole bunch of stuff there. Uh, I look. You know what? I think that it's never any harm to have Ireland in the benevolent crosshairs of a U.S. president as opposed to the non-benevolent ones, and I think it's good for Biden to go there. I don't think, that, you know, the perception of Ireland in America has changed, largely because a lot of the old people in, in uh, Washington, D.C., and there were a lot of Republicans who were also involved in the Good Friday Agreement, and it's kind of a shame now that they've lost interest, but back in the day, they deserved as much credit as the Democrats in, in helping it to happen. Uh, and But I, I do, I think that it's, it's you know, sorry, I've totally lost track of what I was going to say there, but overall... <laughs> There's always a first, Marion. I'll help you out, Marion. I'll help you out. Help Matt, me I think out, you made Please very, do. No, I think, yeah, I think you made a very good point uh, about uh, Biden kind of uh, believing uh, an Ireland of the 50s of the past. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, we still enjoy uh, films in uh, the United States uh, that refer to the past. But I think you're right. I think uh, it's more of a... Um, nostalgia kind of thing rather than a, uh, a current events but he but he will properly celebrate the uh, the northern ireland agreement the good friday agreement and that's why he's going uh, and the other business is just an add-on a uh, listener says do we not have a red carpet and irish dancers etc and shannon for trump we did but that was before he even declared his run at the presidency that was back in 2014 when the idea of donald trump becoming president was something of a joke which at the same time right. made the presence of michael noonan at the time our finance minister and the red carpet for the trump plane something of an embarrassment in itself of course one of the things there that Mar- that marion said cal is that it's a very full program for the 80 year old president who I believe in recent days has more or less confirmed he's running for president again. That'll knock back well, those of you who think he's too old and not up to it. Well, he told Al Roker of the Today Show that he is, quote, planning on running. If you declare right now you have to uh, abide by all of the federal election rules, and if he had said, look, I've, I've decided I'm not going to run, let a younger person do it, then he immediately becomes a lame duck and nobody's going to pay much attention. So uh, that's the bind that he is uh, caught in. Uh, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, uh, is making a lot of uh, noise, even though he says he endorses uh, Biden, which he almost has to do for reelection. He's been in Florida and is traveling around the rest of the country now looking like a presidential candidate. And I think for whatever reason, if Biden decides not to run, uh, that uh, uh, Newsom is going to be uh, right there near the top of the list, maybe at the top of the list for a Democratic candidate. Okay, what's your interpretation of it, Marion? It looks like he wants to do it, doesn't it? Oh, I think Biden wants a second term, and I believe he—I believe he can thinks he can win a second term as well. Um, you know, it's interesting about Newsom. Newsom and Biden are, are very, very close. But Newsom will not do uh, Robert F. Kennedy on Biden. He's not going to challenge him. That is for absolute certain. Maybe they're feeling it's no harm to have somebody in the reserve. Certainly, in terms of fundraising, which is absolutely essential, Newsom would be best placed to raise money very, very quickly and very effectively if Biden were to drop out. But I think Biden's going to go for. 
it. I've always thought he's going to go for it. And, you know, I think if he hadn't, he would almost have had to announce it by now. To I get what Cal's saying about the lame duck aspect, but, you know, certain things have to happen for a candidate to run and people need to get their ducks in a row. And certainly I've been told by a couple of Democrats before that if he wasn't going to run, he would have announced in okay. sort of January, February. Marion, I want to stay with you. Why has this guy, Clarence Thomas, long been one of the more controversial members of the Supreme Court? And what has he done now to make it all worse? You know, he has been shrouded in controversy since his nomination. And we all know about that going back and the, the disgraceful way Anita Hill was treated, including by Joe Biden, who was head of the Judiciary Committee at the time. Uh, Clarence Thomas was never fit for, for the Supreme Court. That's that's just, I think, pretty much a statement of fact. But what he's been doing ever since, having done nothing on the bench for he didn't issue a single opinion or ask a single question for 20 years. And we probably know why he was too busy off taking holidays probably worth millions of dollars in total. We know that the most recent one that he took with a Dallas billionaire who incidentally collects Nazi memorabilia and has a copy of Hitler's Mein Kampf uh, signed and has um, Nazi napkins in his house, amongst other things. Uh, so this is who, who Clarence Thomas is knocking around with and has a very close friendship with. The most recent holiday he took him on, which was uh, by private jet to Indonesia and private yacht, was estimated that it would have cost him $500,000 had he paid for it himself. This is just the most recent in 20 years of free trips that he has taken from this guy, Harlan Crow, who, as I said, is a Dallas um, real estate multi-billionaire who is absolutely totally connected with the Republican Party, is a mega donor to the Republican Party. And then Clarence Thomas tries to say, oh, I was told by some judges who are no longer on the bench, well, how convenient that I didn't have to declare these holidays. Well, he couldn't figure it out himself. I blame a lot of this on the Chief Justice, John Roberts, who is an incredibly weak Chief Justice. And the same thing was done, uh, you know, Antonin Scalia was at a hunting lodge with, with Dick Cheney several times uh, when he was making decisions that would affect the government. This is not the first time this has happened, but it is the most egregious. And, it, you know, he should resign. I really do believe that. I think it's absolutely disgraceful. You're laughing, Carl. What? Why? Uh, the left has been after Clarence Thomas. By the way, no relation. Uh, since, uh, as, as Marion says, since the, uh, since the beginning, he has written some excellent uh, uh, opinions on the court. The left didn't like him because he replaced the liberal Thurgood Marshall, who was an icon and uh, was involved in the Brown versus Board of Education, desegregation of public schools case in 1954. Uh, so they've hated him ever since, mostly because he's a conservative and he doesn't fall in line with uh, what the left thinks a black person should do. Uh, Marion doesn't like any of those uh, judges that are named by Republicans. I understand why, because she doesn't agree with many of their opinions. But I do think it's a very bad look. I think when you're a conservative, especially you before you do anything, you have to say, how is this going to look when it's discovered? How's it going to look on the front page of the Washington Post? And so uh, Clarence Thomas has said he's going to abide by these new ethical rules that have just been established. But, uh, you know, I, I think for members of Congress, especially Democrats, to call for his resignation over ethics is rather amusing, considering uh, all of the money they make when they uh, come into and, in fact, then leave Congress. One last thing I want to ask you about moving it on. And Marion, please briefly explain, what are these intelligence leaks that allegedly expose U.S. spying on adversaries and allies? 
This is really worrying and shocking and, and lives have probably been lost already. So a whole bunch of documents were uploaded online and they seem to have come from the Pentagon. They're all marked highly classical, classified and they offer information about the war in Ukraine, including um, suggesting that Ukraine is not in good shape, which is not something and, and that that militarily that, that really Ukraine or any of its allies would want to get out there. Uh, as I understand it, they were documents that were prepared for Mark A. Milley, who of course is the Joint Chiefs of Staff Chairman, and for a, a bunch of other people in the Pentagon, top Pentagon brass. Um, and But they were apparently available to thousands of people who had the, the security clearance. So it's being investigated by the Department of Justice. But, you know, I assume they'll track down the person eventually. But this included information from the CIA, from the, you know, all kinds of agencies. It is incredibly damaging because, as you said, it also includes information about the UK, about Israel. Now, that happens all the time. Countries always spy on each other, and particularly if allies are in a position that the US thinks makes them vulnerable, as in with Brexit and, you know, Israel with what, what's going on with Netanyahu, they they will spy all the more. Um, I don't think that's going to cause a big fuss, but I think that the revelation of all this information about Ukraine and the fact that now it's apparent that the US has intel within the Russian military, as I say, lives are going to be lost because of this, and it's absolutely appalling, and I really hope they find the person who leaked it. I'm out of time. Thank you very much, Marion McKeown of the Business Post and Cal Thomas for being with us. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today and-